Welcome to Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast that's all about the intersection between yoga and body acceptance. Today my guest is the lovely Hero Boga. I connected with Hero online during a time when I really was overwhelmed with different choices for my business and how to move forward and I've just felt kind of stuck and it's really easy to feel like there's an answer that is somehow well out there. And what I really learned from Hero is that the answer is inside, that I can trust my instincts um, around what's really coming up for me around my business and in extension, my also my life. So I'm really grateful to Hero for gifting me with that, which feels like such a life-changing lesson. And I know that we're going to have a great conversation today as we talk with her about her really good work in the world and how it connects in with body acceptance. Hero has been a teacher of various transformative subjects for over 35 years. She founded the Spiritual Awareness Center in British Columbia, a teaching and research facility for seekers of every faith and perspective. She's also an award-winning author. These days, she supports entrepreneurs in becoming their own business advisor and creating the life and business they desire. Welcome, Hero. Thank you, Anna. It's so wonderful to be here with you. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. I wanted to start our conversation with a question I've been asking everyone at the start of their podcast, which is, what was your relationship with your body like as a young person? Um, Well, you know, I grew up in, I was born and raised in India, and so I grew up in a culture that has a very different relationship to the body, uh, or did at the time that I was growing up. I mean, it has changed uh, than we do over here. So I don't know that I thought about, I certainly didn't think about my relationship with my body as being a relationship. I simply, um, my body was, was the way in which I experienced the world around me in which I related to the world around me and experienced it and took it in. And it was also the way in which I expressed myself. So, you know, when I was, when I was young, um, I could, I mean, I, because I experienced both an energetic universe and, and the world, the 3D world, simultaneously, um, and my body was the medium through which I could relate to both, then I, I just remember we had a place, I mean, we lived in this very large city, so my body in the city um, was a different experience than my body up in the mountains where we also had a place and where I spent all of our weekends, we spent all of our holidays up there, mm-hmm. and that was my my place of feeling um, at home in the world, of belonging to myself. Mm-hmm. And my relationship with my body was different in those two places. You know, in, in the city, I felt um, um, that I had to keep, in a sense, my, my body and my energy body close, mm-hmm because there was so much stimulation, there was so much uh, input, there was so much chaos 
Uh, and then out in the mountains, the place that we used to be, that we had, uh, that we used to go to was completely wild. It was a little village of like 50 people. And, um, and I used to wander up and down the mountains and, you know, through the forest all by myself. Mm. Um, and I could expand my sense of my body. So even though my physical body was little, it never felt separate to me from my, from my energy body, which didn't feel so separate to me from the body of the earth around me. So, you know, I would play with that. Like I'd, I'd take a lunch with me and a bottle of water and a book and a notepad and a pencil and go off for the day. Uh, and I would become like a, you know, shapeshift. I'd become the mountain as I was walking up it, I'd become the waterfall that I discovered, you know, coming through a, a rock passage in, in the side of a hill. Um, so that was my experience of my body, was that it, was, it wasn't separate from anything, and yet it was separate. When I got into the city, I had to create that boundary and that separation. Um, and so it was this this experience of morphing, kind of like Alice in Wonderland. You know? <laughs> <laughs> one pill makes you larger, one pill makes you small. But it was that it was that sense of my body as being the medium through which through which I experienced the world, through which my soul engaged with the soul of the world. Mm, that's beautiful. And then, you know, as I got into my teens, it was different. It's like everything changed. I had a lot of freedom as a child. Uh, nobody told me where to go, what to do when, when we were up in our, our mountain place. And then once I got my first period, uh, there was all this, all this hovering that happened and all these dire warnings about, no, I couldn't go out into the woods by myself any longer. I had to help somebody with me and 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 there was just that loss of freedom and with the loss of freedom came a kind of constraint in my body because as I said for me my body was very elastic you know I was I mean physically I was very small I was small boned and I was skinny and uh, I ate like a horse and never put on an ounce of weight uh, and I was really active. I mean, I loved to climb, I loved to walk, I loved to wander, I loved to track. Um, and then, all of a sudden, there was this this holding in and holding back in the sense that my body was not safe, you know, that in the world, that uh, there were these dangers lurking, and they the place hadn't changed. It was the same place that I had always been in and that I had felt so deeply at home in. Uh, but the cultural constructs about who I was because of the changes in my body had changed. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, and yeah. so all of a sudden there was this kind of intervening scrim of warnings and fear and no's and, you know, that, um, that interrupted my relationship with the with the natural world, and interrupted my relationship with my body in some way. Mm -hmm. Did you find <laughs> an in between? Did I find an in between? Mm -hmm. Kind of 
being able to have those new inputs come in maybe over time and then be able to get back to some of that expansiveness that you were describing from your childhood? Well, I went through a period of time. I think it, it, like for me it happened, that whole thing of, of adolescence, you know, I think I got my period probably when I was about 12. Um, and that adolescent time and those restrictions that came with it and all that sort of female programming that came with it coincided with a time of great chaos in my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother became, well, I guess she had always been mentally ill or maybe it was, a, you know, um, it was there latent and she um, she became uh, bipolar. Mm-hmm. And so it was about that same time. And so everything became very chaotic and everything became very dangerous mm. um, for my body, you know. So I was living with her, and um, I, I didn't, I, it, it wasn't safe for me to be there. I mean, you know, it wasn't anything she could help herself with, but like, she would wake me up in the middle of the night, and I would never know if, you know, she was going to force feed me or she was going to strangle me. I mean, it was just, there was, there was a lot of chaos, and so for my body, it was, it was like my body all of a sudden went from this state of tremendous openness and um, um, permeability uh, to wanting just to disappear, mm. because that was the only way to be safe, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was this period of time until I left home, and I left home. Like, I went off to university when I was 15, 14, 14 and a half. Um, and, and, and then it was a different relationship, again, with my body, because it was a different relationship between my body and the world. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden, I was in, you know, in an environment where... Um, with, where, where the mind and the intellect uh, were, were primary and, uh, and my body, I was expected uh, to hold it in a certain way, to, uh, to be a certain way, um, to have certain kinds of restrictions in, in that expression of the body. And it wasn't really until I came to North America that I remember I took, um, so I was only 21 at the time. By then I was no longer yet a, a child, but, but I remember taking um, a contemporary dance class. And, and um, one of the things that, that my dance teacher said was, take up space. Mm. You know, you've got this problem with taking up space. Like use the space as a medium that you sculpt with your body, and I had in 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 kind. Of, I had to rediscover how to do that. But in rediscovering it, I rediscovered my body the way I had experienced it when I was a child. Hmm. So movement was a way into that. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was, well, it's about freedom of movement, isn't it? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the body. It's about freedom of movement. It's like, I, you know, I did yoga from the time I was about three years old, every day. Wow. Um, but, but those movements are, in a sense, they're ritualized movements. Right. right. It's a sequence of movements. It's, it, they have a specific purpose. Um, and it was different from the freedom of movement of, of being up in the mountains, of climbing up trees, of, you know, hiking down into valleys. There was a different kind of freedom in that. Um, and, and in dance, there was some, at least in contemporary dance, there was something in between because it, it was a craft, it was an art, and there were certain rules within that, but there was a lot of freedom also within that. Mm. It was different from yoga. Right. And it was different from this sort of limitlessness that I had experienced as a child, but it was a kind of contained freedom. Almost gave you like a was, testing ground in some ways, it sounds like. Yeah, it was a place to start to enter back into uh, a grown-up relationship with my body. Mm, yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about um, some of the themes that have come through what you were just sharing. I know when we were preparing for the interview, you told me that you prefer the term energy alchemy to intuition, and I really loved that clarification. Um, I was wondering if you could tell everybody um, how you distinguish the terms and what energy alchemy means for you. Well, to me, they're two different things, mm. you know. Energy alchemy to me is, um, it's, it's an art. So it, it, it is a set of skills and practices and relationships um, through which you engage with yourself, with your life, and with your world. Mm. And intuition is a quality of your soul. It's a quality of your incarnate soul. It's a quality of your being. So, so they're two different things. Uh, mm. They're not equivalent to each other. Right. I think when we were talking about it, we were talking about it in the context of something about you know the work that I do, but the work that I do, while intuition plays a large part in it, energy alchemy is, is the actual practice of how um, of how you shape a life, of how you shape a business, of how you shape any creation, how you take something that emerges as an idea or a calling or just a kind of whisper maybe from your intuition, maybe from, from other sources of inspiration. Mm. And then you you funnel it through the specifics of your life, and you create a shape and a form for that to come to life. So, curvy yoga, you know, your your business uh, must have started somewhere as a as a whisper, some in in some part of you, or maybe it was a clarion call, maybe it was a a giant call that that said you have to do this. But you still had to do the work of shaping it right. and, and creating, you know, creating what is now curvy yoga, which is still an ongoing, evolving creation. Right. And that process, that, all of that 
is energy alchemy in action. Mm. But energy alchemy in action is also, you know, how how you, I mean, just even how you live your life day to day. It's not just the big creations. It's it's the everyday shaping of your yourself and your relationship with your world and your relationship with your soul and with your work and with your family and so it is it is that uh, that art that art of being in right relationship with your own inner ecology and with the ecology around you hmm. so it sounds like from the way that you're describing this that yoga might be um, a tool in a person's energy alchemy is that um, yeah, I mean, alchemy is really the place, the, alchemy is that process of transforming um, everything around you in, into essentially a source of radiance and blessing. Mm. So, certainly that, that is also the root of yoga, you know, yoga is about yoking right. body and spirit together. Uh, about yoking your divinity to your humanity, and that's what energy alchemy is. Yoga, in its in in its essential form, is a form of energy alchemy. It's a practice and a process of energy alchemy. It isn't always used that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like any like any um, system that's you know evolved over in in yoga's case over thousands of years. Uh, there are all kinds of cultural accretions. There are, you know, ways in which it has been distorted and, and so on. But in essence, that is what it is. It's a process of transforming yourself and your world, um, particularly when you're thinking about more than just Hatha Yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a complete system for transformation. So I'm thinking about this, too, in relation to people who um, are listening and maybe wanting to connect more with their body. And it sounds like, in some ways, this is almost a a shift, uh, for some people at least, um, in how they sort of see their world and how they're engaging in it. I'm wondering about your thoughts around energy alchemy and how that relates to um, accepting your body, because it sounds like they're going fairly hand mm-hmm. in hand. Well, it's interesting, you know, that very notion of accepting your body is is such a, it's very culturally, it's a cultural construct. Mm. Um, And I'll tell you a story around that. You know, some years ago, um, when my my younger son was 14, I had taken him to India for the first time. He was born and raised here in Canada, and he had never been to India before. But he's half Indian, he's half Scottish and half Indian. So mm-hmm. when we got there, um, you know, he, 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 had, he was encountering a culture that experiences the body and the relationships between people. He has a completely different notion uh, of of who you are and what your relationship with the world is mm. than his experience of being a, you know, 13, almost 14-year-old here. Right. 
so he had been going through a really tough time because he was in junior high. He's a really gentle, beautiful, soulful kid. Um, and in in a tough kind of environment, you know, and yeah. and he dealt with it just by being very um, sort of blending in to the woodwork. He didn't, you know, he he's he's he just sort of disappeared into himself. Mm. And when he got to India, to to everybody there, he was still a child, even though he was almost six feet tall. Mm. And their their idea of how of what of what children are and how you relate to children is very different from our notion of how we relate to teens here. Mm. So people just, you know, adored him, they teased him, they played with him, they spoiled him rotten. Um and 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 his gentleness fit in with the gentleness of the culture. Oh. That it's it's a culture in which it's fine for men to be gentle. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no stuff around it, you know. There isn't the stuff about you can't show your emotions, you can't be a feeling person if you're if you're male. And he just blossomed. He absolutely blossomed. So when you know, and, and for myself, it's like when we got back, what I realized, you know how you notice things when you see them, when you experience contrast, right? Right. If you're in something, you don't experience it so clearly. But it wasn't until we got back and we flew into JFK and then from JFK to uh, to Vancouver Airport that I, I, I suddenly felt, oh my gosh, you know, I should pull my stomach in. I... Uh, you know, my, I, 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 like all of a sudden, I wasn't okay in my body. Mm. And for that entire six weeks that we had been in India, I hadn't felt that at all. Wow. And, yeah, and I realized just how much of this whole notion of, you know, body acceptance or body not acceptance has to do with the energetic environment in which we live. Mm. It's not ours. We don't. We aren't born. Nobody is born feeling like their body is not good enough. Right. Nobody is born feeling like I've got the wrong body. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's when we when we interact with the energetic reality of our culture, whether that's the family culture or the societal culture or national culture or whatever it is, but the culture around us. Those energies, those thought forms exert pressure on our energy field. They exert pressure on us, and they form sense impressions. In in Sanskrit, they call it samskaras. And they form these impressions, and these impressions, when they're repeated over and over and over and over again, begin to be internalized. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, we find ourselves separated from our bodies, and we don't know why. And if you put yourself in a different environment, you start to experience a different reality. Mm. And you get a a much clearer sense of how much of this stuff that we're all so obsessed with about, you know, loving our bodies, not loving our bodies, has very little to do with who we are and so much to do 
with the ambient energies around us. So part of the process for me is really a process of developing sovereignty, of developing awareness of of the nature of energetic reality and of how it impinges on my own consciousness. Mm-hmm. And this is what I teach. You know, this is the work that I do. It's the work I do with people in my private work, but it's also the work that I've taught for all these years is that if we have to know how to navigate the energy reality around us because it's constantly affecting everything that we do. It affects our experience of ourselves, our experience of the world. It affects our ability to be creative, to be expressive, uh, to know our own truth, to uh, to radiate the qualities of our inner being, like all of these, and our, our relationship with our bodies. Everything is affected. So the more skillfully you can, you can learn how to work with your own energy field and then your energy field in relationship to the world around you, uh, the more clearly you can inhabit and be at home in your body. And then it isn't a matter of, it's not like, you know, setting up a routine to love your body or to accept your body. It's not even an issue. Mm. You know, once you're present in your body and everything that is not you is out of your space, then of course you love your body. There's no question about it because the nature of your being is love. Right. And your body is made of the same stuff as your soul, so the nature of your body is also love. Mm-hmm. So what's to accept? Right. You're in a state of wholeness. Yeah, you're, you know, you're whole, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's funny, I'm sitting here talking to you and out in my yard is a mama deer and a little spotted fawn. Mm-hmm. And you can see the difference even... These are wild animals, but she's been, you know, in the world long enough that um, partly her own vibrancy is is depleted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this little fawn is just, like, its body is so alive. It is so vital and radiant and alive mm-hmm. because it's still holding that entire sort of quantum energy of, of life force that it's landed here with, that it's incarnated with. And that's kind of what happens to us, you know? Right. So part of why we do yoga, part of why we do the practices we do, is to reconnect, you know, to reconnect with our bodies, to reconnect with our essence, to, to keep that, that that inner connection as the clearest, strongest energy in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Because whatever the clearest, strongest energy is, that is what prevails. So if the clearest, strongest energy is all of these, you know, beliefs and programming about, about who, what our bodies should look like or how we should be in relationship with them or what they should be or who we should be or, you know, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. If that's the clearest, strongest energy in our space, then, then what we experience in our bodies is tension and disconnection and dissatisfaction and, and, and in a sense, an experience 
of ourselves, not from the inside out, but from the outside in. Right. We see ourselves through cultural eyes rather than through our own lens, right? So it's that restoration, it's the daily practices that restore us to ourselves. And, and when we are restored to ourselves, then really the question is not how do we accept our body? The question is, you know, how do we express and experience fully what our body is capable of expressing and experiencing. Right. Is there a practice, um, in addition to yoga, that you could share with our listeners that is accessible for people who are kind of interested in learning a little bit more? And then, of course, we'll send them to dive into your all your wonderful offerings. There are many, many, many. <laughs> Hard to choose, yeah. Think about what would be most. Why don't you tell me about something that, um, you know, that you're ambivalent about right now? Because often what happens is it's in those places of ambivalence. Um, that we get to see that contrast I was talking about between our deep desires and the programming or the fears or the anxieties or the cultural constructs that keep us from owning those desires, right? Mm -hmm. So is there something you can share with me um, now Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that you want but you're ambivalent about? Yeah, so I recently signed a lease on a yoga studio. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be coming around in the fall. Um, And I think my, I'm really excited about the studio, um, but I'm unsure about, you know, exactly how much time to put into building the local community and maintaining the broader community. So I, I guess I feel some ambivalence around that the kind of the direction um, for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good example, but sure, absolutely. Anything that you're ambivalent about is a good example. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I would just because it you know energy alchemy works best when there's a concrete something concrete that you're working on. It's a very practical kind of thing. Mm, mm-hmm. So rather than doing something in the abstract, which we you know we can also do and it's useful. It's, it's much more useful to do it in some specific context. Um, so part of what happens when you create something, you know, you, so you, you go, okay, I'm going to sign a lease on this yoga studio and build, um, extend my business from the online, uh, online world to, to the, you know, to the, sort of local community. Um, so there's a part of you and a part of your soul from which this desire comes to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are all these other parts of yourself that have other things to say about it. It's like, you know, we, we think of ourselves as being singular. I, this is, this is who I am. And yet none of us are singular. We are collections of selves in a sense 
we are every age we've ever been, every thought we've ever thought, every experience we've ever had uh, expresses itself in a sense as a self. Mm. You know, there's a part of you that holds your experiences of being five years old, there's a part of you that holds your experiences of being 90 years old, and everything in between. And it's not just about age, it's about, you know, who you are, say, in relationship to your parents is different from who you are in relationship to your students. It's not entirely different because all of these parts of you are part of your wholeness. But, you know, there can be parts of you that are in complete opposition to other parts of you. And this mm-hmm. is why when you create something that you think you really want, there can be this backlash from other parts of you that go, what the hell were you thinking? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so part of the process, you know, energy alchemy for me is always about, about serving wholeness, about creating wholeness within yourself, and then by extension in your relationship with the world around you. Uh, So if you just take a moment and close your eyes, and those of you who are listening, please just follow along. You know, think about something that is up for you where you are ambivalent about something. There's something you want, and yet there's some part of you that resists or is afraid of having what it is that you want. moment and drop your gaze down into the cavity of your body, down towards your heart. And bring your awareness into your heart. Letting your awareness expand a great light like the sun through your heart creating spaciousness in your heart and then create a room in your heart a round room It can be indoors, like a room with windows and walls and a ceiling and a door. Or it can be an outdoor space. doesn't matter. But it needs to have a clear boundary around it. So if it's outdoors, it might be a boundary with trees around one aspect of it, maybe a, a hill or a mountain, maybe a seashore but something that creates a boundary around you so that the space is held. And then you're going to invite into this space in your heart uh, all of your inner selves. Don't think about this. Really just, just intend to do it. And you will. Invite every aspect of you, every self you've ever been, every part of you, every feeling you've ever had, 
happy experience you've ever had. And imagine each of these as a self that holds these experiences, holds these times in your life or these relationships. Ask them to come and sit in a circle in this space in your heart. And then tune into your soul and invite more of your soul to come into your body, to come into this circle and to hold in the embrace of your wholeness every part of you, leaving nothing out. And create a seat in the center of the circle that is like a living lap with all of the qualities of the lap, that quality of holding and tenderness, of safety, of connection, of protection, of love and acceptance. And from this place in the center of the circle, talk to your inner self. Tell them about your reasons for creating this yoga space. Just what was in your mind and in your heart, what your vision is for this space. Take your time and tell them about it. This is a family gathering, and this is you sharing something that's deep in your heart with every part of you. And let all of your inner selves know that this new creation, like every creation in your life, can only happen fully and successfully when every single part of you comes along on this journey. So you are going to do things by consensus. So invite your inner self now to tell you what they are feeling about this new creation. And start because you talked about parts of you that feel like you don't know if this is the right thing for your business, invite those, you know, there may be one, there may be more, more than one of your inner selves who feel like they have doubts about this, they're not sure about this, invite the one that is the most um, vocal 
to come and sit in the center of this circle in the lap seat. And ask her, first of all, get a sense of how old she is, what age is she at. And what's going on for her? Sometimes these selves can be quite young, and if they are, they may not even be verbal. They may just express themselves by letting you feel what they're feeling. Other times they may be very vocal. So however that communication happens for you, just really listen. You're listening for what this self feels without any agenda at all. And just really acknowledge everything that she's feeling, everything that she has to say about it. And if there's some aspect of her fear or her concern that isn't coming from her own truth, it may be something she's, a belief she's picked up or uh, an idea that she's gotten from someplace else, just invite her to put it down in a basket at your feet just for now, so she can experience who she is without this belief, without this this anxiety or whatever it is that she's carrying, if it doesn't belong to her. Every aspect of you holds a piece of your soul. Every aspect of you, every self has at its heart and its essence qualities of your soul. So let her show you who she is and what her truth is when she isn't carrying what doesn't belong to her. what she needs in order to come along with you in this new adventure. If she's very young and she feels responsible for making sure that you're doing the right thing, let her off the hook. Let her know that she's not responsible for it. You've got other selves who are handling the grown-up stuff, and she can just come along and have fun. You know, so there isn't a formula for this. This is you developing a relationship with each part of yourself so that every part of you has a voice. Hmm. 
Mm. And you can do this process, you know, with each aspect of you. Every part of you has both wisdom and is carrying baggage, and you can help each part of you release the baggage and access the wisdom. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, then you have this power that comes from from inner wholeness, where all of you is moving in one direction without some of you pulling one way and some of you pulling another way, which can be very exhausting and ultimately undermines whatever it is that you're creating. Yeah, I really felt that um, when we were going through, I had um, um, probably about a six-year-old come forward who really was just feeling like, is this going to be too much? Um, And when when you asked um, for me to let her off the hook, it just felt like, ah, okay, this is going to be joyful. And I felt that kind of integration um, Mm -hmm. of that. I really felt what you just described about the kind of resistance. Like I had been sort of trying to tuck that away a little bit, I think, and just bringing her in to actually have a voice and be acknowledged felt like that was a really big shift. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, when it's like so much of the time, especially when you're in business the way you and I are, you know, that we, we, we're constantly creating things. We're constantly taking risks. Right. And if we don't take the time to let all of our inner selves in on, on what we're doing and get, and give them the support that they need, hear what they have to say, bring them into the process so that we're moving as a whole, then if we don't do that, which a lot of times we don't, we end up kind of hacking our way through, you know, what feels like underbrush and thickets of resistance. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's easy to, you know, to try and impose a kind of martial law on on these kind of unruly selves, but it never works. It works much, much better to say, hey, we're all part of a family here. And if we're not all in agreement, it's not going to work. doesn't mean that you allow your six-year-old to run your business or make decisions <laughs> for your business. Right. But it's important to get in touch with the fact that it's a six-year-old who's feeling really overwhelmed with responsibility that is not hers to carry. And that once you let her know that... She can put it down, and she, you know, then she is, that all you need from her is for her to be herself. Mm. Because when she's herself, she brings that curiosity, that spirit of adventure, that spirit of fun and play, all of which are going to help you and your wholeness to make a success of this new venture. And this so that's like, how energy alchemy works in practical ways. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say it feels like something people could do in relation to anything. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for offering that and guiding us and sharing your wisdom. I really appreciate it. And I know that people are going to be 
so excited to get to know you more if they don't already. Um, how, what's the best way for people to do that? Um, well, go to heroboga.com. Um, on my website, you, if you sign up for my newsletter, there is, you'll get a guided audio meditation uh, called Creating the Home of Your Heart, mm. uh, which is uh, another energy alchemy process that, um, that you can use all the time, anywhere. Uh, also, go to my Facebook page, heroboga.inc. Uh, on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter at Hiroboga. So lots of ways to stay connected. You'll find lots of free resources on my website as well. Um, check out the Deva cards. Use those as guided meditations on that Deva cards page that you can use on a daily basis to connect with these soul qualities, essence qualities, uh, and to bring them more fully into your life. And um, everything that I offer, everything that I teach is with this deep desire that, you know, that we really all inhabit our wholeness in as many ways as possible so that we create a world that is filled with the qualities of soul and that those become clearer and stronger than the qualities of division and hatred and fragmentation start with division from our own bodies mm, and yeah. extend out from there, you know. So in many ways, um, we're all doing the same work, which is coming at it from different places. Well, I definitely recommend that everybody listening go and check out Heroes Resources and get involved in any way that you can. It's definitely been um, very transformative for me personally to have gotten to know you and um, participate in some of the great things that you offer. So thank you so much for everything you do and for um, being on the podcast. I love talking to you as always. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for what you do too. And what you're doing is so profoundly healing. It's healing that that, um, suffering and pain and disconnection that a culture creates between life on our bodies through the power of curvy yoga. Mm, thank so, you. Thank you.